Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shins that eliminate noise for the life of the pad, rubber-coated hardware for a better fit, and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. It's going to come down to a three-man free-for-all for the win tonight here in Nashville. Riding right in the middle of the racetrack off turn number four, race leader Ryan Priest. Here's Carson Hosovar, looks to the inside of Zane Smith for second. White flag is in the air, 1.33 miles to settle it. A battle for second is the best thing that can happen to Ryan Priest, but it's not going to shape up. Smith looks to the bottom. He throws the block on him, does Ryan Priest. Smith up the track near up the wall. Here comes Hosovar. Zane Smith will rate it back in. Carson Hosovar dives to the bottom of the racetrack. They're side by side for second as Ryan Priest pulls away with the lead. Career start number eight. Career win number two at this level for Ryan Priest. Checkered flag is in the air and across the line. And Ryan Priest has scored the win tonight in the Rackley Roofing 200 for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Kyle Rickey. Welcome in to another edition of NASCAR Live. Kyle Rickey filling in for Mike Bagley this week as we begin a 10-race stretch to the postseason for the NASCAR Cup Series starting this weekend at the Nashville Super Speedway. And we have another jam-packed show for you this week over the next 60 minutes. Ryan Priest will join the show to discuss his first full-time season thus far at Stuart Haas Racing. We'll take a look at the final 10 races left in the NASCAR Cup Series regular season. We take a deep dive into the history of NASCAR in mid-Tennessee. We preview this weekend's racing action in Music City. Craftsman Truck Series driver Grant Enfinger joins the show and much, much more. But first, Jason Toy is here with a check of the latest headlines in NASCAR. Jason? Thanks a lot, Kyle. Josh Harris, who is the new owner of the NFL's Washington Commanders, has bought a minority stake in Joe Gibbs Racing through Harris Blitzer Sports Entertainment. Gibbs won three Super Bowls coaching for the Commanders and had been previously searching for a minority buyer since the offseason. Stuart Haas Racing has shuffled up its crew chief lineup for the foreseeable future. The team announced that Riley Herbst, Xfinity Series crew chief Richard Boswell, will take over Chase Briscoe's team in the Cup Series. Davin Restivo, who had been serving as an engineer on Air 
Eric Almirola's car will replace Boswell and sit atop the pit box for Hurst moving forward. Briscoe's former crew chief, John Klossmeyer, will continue to work in SHR's vehicle performance group. The organization has also put out a release stating that they are making a major announcement Wednesday afternoon at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. It has been reported by multiple outlets that Josh Berry will join the team and succeed Kevin Harvick in the number four car. Trackhouse racing owner Justin Marks will have a full slate next weekend as NASCAR takes on the streets of Chicago. Cup Series drivers aren't allowed to compete in the Xfinity Series race, but that doesn't mean the owners can't. Colic Racing announced that Marks will pilot the number 10 car during Saturday's event. And longtime NASCAR executive Kerry Tharp, who currently serves as the president of Darlington Raceway, will retire at the end of 2023. Tharp has spent nearly two decades working in the sport. Kyle? Thank you, Jason. Coming up, Ryan Priest joins the show, and later we look at the final 10 races ahead of the playoffs for the NASCAR Cup Series. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights, white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and warning systems for the automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Wheeland products are designed, sourced, and manufactured in America and tested on site to meet the toughest industry standards. Wheeland Engineering, manufactured in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Kyle Rickey. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Since the return of Nashville Super Speedway, no one has enjoyed more success than Ryan Priest. Priest has won both Truck Series races at the track and will be looking to repeat that success this weekend in the NASCAR Cup Series. Our Chris Wilner caught up with Priest during the off weekend to look ahead to this weekend's action and to talk about life back in the NASCAR Cup Series. Ryan Priest, let's start off with NASCAR's off week. Comes at a good time here as we begin the summer months. Where would you evaluate, you know, you and the SHR 41 team? Obviously, it's good to have a reset, right, during the middle of the season. We don't get a lot of those, but but now that we have a time to step back, take a look at things, uh, how would you evaluate 2023? Yeah, so I feel like, you know, honestly, we, we've had our highs and we've had our lows. We checked off one thing, and that was getting a pole this year, which uh, that was great. We've had some races, you know, between uh, Martinsville and, and L.A. Uh, being in contention, leading laps. So that was checking a box there. And, you know, to be quite honest, I, I really wish we didn't have an off week because, you know, our team has been trending in, in a consistent direction. So I, I felt good about that. But, at, you know, at the same time, we're honest with ourselves. And, and we knew, I would say, the month of, of April – March and April, really, we weren't exactly where we wanted to be. So we all put our heads together and, and started really looking at what we need to do better uh, within our team. And I felt like we've we've kind of we found the direction we need to head in. And, and it makes me feel very optimistic moving into Nashville and July and August to put the process in place and, and really clean up some of the things that we need to clean up so we can we can be a real contender. So Loudon is definitely circled on my calendar coming up. Uh, I'm somebody who, who has a lot of laps there and, and I feel like we can we can show up and maybe uh, maybe surprise some people. Is there any frustration, you know, when you're at this point of the season, it, just in terms of the organization at a whole with with the lack of maybe results and, and, and the wins that is expected out of a team like SHR? I mean, where is the, the mindset at this break? Well, to be honest with you, it's it's just work, right? It's it's looking at the process and which we have in place, and 
you know, I feel like we just we have some obstacles for sure. But what, what you know, in life, it's never easy. Right. So it, it all uh, dictates you kind of shows you as a team what you're build up, built of and, and made of if you're able to overcome those things. So I felt like we've been we've been working really hard to really, you know, have some consistency, which I felt like we've had over the past four weeks. And then turn that consistency into better results. Like that 13th at Sonoma uh, this past week was it was a good day. It was a good, solid day for us, but we want to turn those 13ths into bad days. So certainly not easy. But at the same time, you know, I feel like there are certain tracks that we're going to show up to this year and, and we're going to be contenders. We're going to we're going to be fighting to lead laps. We're going to be fighting to win that race. And, and then there's going to be challenging weeks at, at some of the other places. So we're working on trying to execute at the days, you know, on the days where we feel like we can win. And, and you know, I have those tracks circled coming up. Let's talk about last week. I know you just mentioned 13th place finish in the Cup Series side, but you kicked off the weekend uh, with the Arca West win out there at Sonoma. How important was getting those extra laps at Sonoma? I know you don't have a lot of experience there, especially on the Cup side. So how big was it to be a part of that Arca West win and then obviously cap it off with a victory uh, just to find, you know, some of momentum going into the weekend? Yeah, going into the weekend, I didn't have any experience on that course. So when it was, uh, when it was, when that opportunity was presented to me, I, I absolutely wanted to do it uh, to get those extra laps. And, you know, I felt like it was extremely beneficial just to help get my rhythm down and, and look at that course because you've heard of so many people talk about how challenging it can be to keep tires on it. And, and about midway through that ARCA race, I was forced to to do that or even really even beginning um just because you weren't allowed to change tires you had to go 64 laps on a set of tires so just how i chose to to drive that car it really transitioned into the cup race and helped me uh feel like you know i knew how to how to get the most out of my car at the beginning of a run but make it last and and it showed, you know, we were we were constantly passing cars. I don't think we ever got passed on a long run on equal tires. So that was nice. And, you know, going back to the Arca side, it feels good to win no matter what you're in. So uh, that was that was a good uh, it was a good day for all of us. Looking ahead, I know you mentioned Loudoun was going to be a place you guys had circled. What other tracks do you have circled as we get closer and closer to the playoffs? I mean, obviously 62 points down of the cut line, but opportunities are plenty ahead. So where is the strengths for, for you and your team that you are looking at besides Loudoun maybe ahead to get that win and, and lock yourself in? Yeah, I mean, Nashville is a place that's been really good to me in the past. I mean, I am really looking forward to Nashville, New Hampshire, Pocono, um, you know, a lot of these tracks, Daytona, there's just so many of them. And, and then even from the, the Chicago street course and, and Watkins Glen, those are this next, you know, six to 10 races really kind of fits what I really like to do. And, and it's diverse. So like you said, we're, I think you just said 65 points or whatever it may be out of the cut line. And, you know, our goal for the next six to 10 races is, is get stage points. We need to be there at the beginning of the races and then execute and finish the races. Uh, well, so this reset, come at a good time for some of my road guys and and Chad to to go and you know take a take a breath and and really just uh you know come back from their vacations and feel like they're ready to attack but you know for me uh, I'll take my vacation in November <laughs> exactly exactly but Nashville first up I mean you won the last two truck races there and you, you said it's a good place for you what is it about Nashville that you like and, and maybe that experience that you could take into that race next week 
so I, I really enjoy the mile and a half where we have to lift, we have to use the brake, we have to do, you know, we have to have the tools in the toolbox to do things as a driver to to get around that racetrack. Um, so that's what I like about Nashville. Is it's it's such a it's a cross between a, a mile and a half, but at the same time a short track. You know, we have to do different things to make speed, and and that's where I think that I've enjoyed it. So yeah, I mean, I, I've been in the Cup car there back in 2021. Uh, we had a brake failure, we had a rotor explode, I believe, but. You know, going there, having those those two truck wins, and and really, you know, enjoying that racetrack, and I'm definitely eager to to get to next week and get down to Nashville. And then, obviously, we talk about Chicago at the end of the month. That's been the hot topic all year. What's it going to be like now that we're getting closer and we've had some road courses under your belt? Where's the confidence in that? I mean, still a lot of unknowns, but at the same time, a lot of excitement building up around that weekend. So, so where you, where's your head at as we look at Chicago here in two weeks? Yeah, so. <laughs> From from the Chicago point of view, it's going to be a totally different type of race on on how we need to attack. I felt like Sonoma was the trend was a good direction for us from a road course standpoint from where we were at Coda. But at the same time, we're going to need more of it. So we need to work on our car. I feel like track position is going to be. I mean, we all talk about track position being important, but. Whew, Man, when we go to Chicago, it's going to be so important. And and just making sure you hit your marks and executing. That's how you're going to have a good day. Well, enjoy the time. Appreciate your time. And get some good rest and recoup. And looking forward to catching back up in Nashville as we kick off kind of the second half, the run-up to the postseason. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, reaching out. And, you know, hopefully we can, we've been talking about a lot of good things soon to come. Thanks, Chris. Coming up, we highlight the final 10 races of the NASCAR Cup Series regular season, and later we learn about NASCAR's history in Nashville. Kyle Larson brings his Chevy four tires to Noco Racing Fuel. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Money's not here for Ryan Blaney. Four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Kyle Rickey. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. This weekend, we enter into the 10-race sprint to the finish line of the NASCAR Cup Series regular season. Several drivers have already positioned themselves to be in the playoff 16, but other familiar names need a strong finish if they're to race for a championship. Our Susie Armstrong is here to help us evaluate this final 10-race stretch. 16 races down, 20 to go in the nine-month saga that makes up the NASCAR Cup Series schedule. With 10 races comprising the playoffs, the remaining 20 weeks on the road to the title can be easily broken down into two halves. Let's explore the summer stretch that will take us to the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. Green flag is in the air and the second annual Ally 400 is underway. The action gears up this weekend at Nashville Super Speedway with the third annual Ally 400. The first two years of the event have been dominated by Hendrick Motorsports, with both Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott using the victory as a springboard to the regular season title. 
and a championship four appearance. Another big metropolis comes calling the following week as the stars of the NASCAR Cup Series head to the Windy City of Chicago, Illinois. That race will be unlike anything else ever seen in the sport as cars will compete on a 2.2-mile street course through Grant Park. With the clash presenting so many unknowns, it could be a wild card event where drivers who have experience on road courses like A.J. Allmendinger and Austin Sindrick have an opportunity to earn a playoff spot. Following that weekend in the Midwest, NASCAR heads back to the Southeast. The Quaker State 400 will mark the second race of the season at Atlanta Motor Speedway. But this time, the event will be held under the lights. And with the super speedway-style racing the track now offers, we could see two wildcard winners in a row. While Chicago and Atlanta might be unknown commodities, the next week at New Hampshire Motor Speedway might offer a glimpse at the future. The track is a one-mile flat oval that races much like Phoenix Raceway, where the championship clash is held. Following the Crayon 301, the series will stay in the same general region, but at a track more than double the length. Build about 500 feet from the start-finish line, and Brett Dalton on top of the flag stand puts the green flag in the air, and we're racing at Pocono. 400 miles await 36 drivers at one of the most unique tracks on the circuit, Pocono Raceway. The tricky triangle offers three distinctive corners that challenge even the best drivers and teams. The event will mark a milestone as the track begins its 50th year of NASCAR racing. We start right now at the Richmond Raceway and we are underway as the green flag flies over the field. After 400 miles on a 2.5 mile circuit, the Cup Series will then face 400 laps on the three-quarter mile Richmond Raceway. Earlier this season, Kyle Larson reigned victorious in the Commonwealth and will be looking to complete the season sweep adding to his playoff point total to close out July. 500 feet from the start-finish line, they come two by two, green flag is in the air, and the NASCAR Cup Series is racing at Michigan. The month of August will begin in the Irish Hills at Michigan International Speedway. Teams will have extra incentive as they go for the Heritage Cup in their manufacturer's backyard. Kevin Harvick won this race in 2022. If he can do it again, it would mark a feel-good moment during his final cup season. Back-to-back -back road course events follow the trip to Michigan. First up is the Grand Prix circuit at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Tyler Reddick won there last year, surviving some of the most chaotic restarts you'll ever see. He is ready to go back-to-back -back at the Glen. Off seven, final time. Checkered flag is in the air. Here comes Kyle Larson and he will score the win yet again. He won it last year, he's won it here this afternoon. Watkins Glen International then concludes the road course portion of the 10 race stretch. We will have to see if anyone can topple Hendrick Motorsports as Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson have combined to win the last four races in upstate New York. Crowd on their feet here in Daytona, the regular season finale as the field now comes down to the line. The green flag is in the air and we are racing in Daytona. The Coke Zero Sugar 400 is underway. After a stretch of races that features short tracks, street courses and a triangular circuit, the regular season will end at a place where truly anything can happen. 
Daytona International Speedway. This will mark the fourth straight year that the World Center of Racing has hosted the regular season finale. And last year provided more drama than ever, with Austin Dillon going to victory lane in a must-win situation and Ryan Blaney outpointing Martin Truex Jr. in a battle of battered race cars for the final playoff spot. The saying, the best is saved for last, isn't always true, but with the Coke Zero Sugar 400 looming at the end of August, it certainly applies for this upcoming push to the playoffs. Thanks, Susie. Coming up, we dive into NASCAR's history in Music City, and later we preview this weekend's racing action at Nashville Super Speedway. From outdoor care to home and auto repair, do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Kyle Rickey. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. We continue to celebrate 75 years of NASCAR as all three of NASCAR's premier series return to Nashville, Tennessee, for the third year in a row. Like many of the cities that are a part of the regular series schedule, Nashville has a deep history and connection to the sport. Our Kurt Becker joins now to help us understand the past and present of NASCAR in Music City. NASCAR's history in the Music City dates to 1958, when the Nashville Fairgrounds half-mile venue welcomed the top tier of the sport, known at the time as the Grand National Series. On a humid August afternoon, NASCAR Hall of Famer Joe Weatherly went to victory lane in the Nashville 200. Country music legend Johnny Cash was known as the Man in Black and often wore a hat. It's only fitting that NASCAR's own Man in Black, the King Richard Petty, became the king of the Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. Petty first won in the country music capital in June of 1964, taking the checkers in the Music City 200. Petty would follow with another win two months later in the Nashville 400. Overall, the King played the sweet music of victory a record nine times at the fairgrounds. NASCAR Hall of Famer Daryl Waltrip was no slouch at Nashville's fairgrounds either. The driver who would come to make his home in nearby Franklin, Tennessee, won at Nashville eight times during his Cup Series career. During a stretch between the 1981 and 1984 seasons, Waltrip won four of five races at the fairgrounds. That included four straight victories from 1981 through 1983, including a sweep of both races during the 1982 season. And it's appropriate that he is all by himself. There is not another car on this side of the racetrack as Waltrip struts down the back stretch, showing his stuff to the hometown fans here at Nashville. Waltrip brings it up into the north end of the speedway, comes off the corner, and the fans come to their feet to cheer him across the line. Checkered flag, and Darrell Walker will win the Cracker Barrel 420 here at Nashville, Tennessee. The only driver who could stand in the way of DW's dominance was the intimidator Dale Earnhardt, who bested Waltrip in July of 1983 in the Bush Nashville 420, one of his two victories at the track. So it's Dale Earnhardt trying to pull in the victory, the first in a long time for the Wrangler Jeans machine. He's off the number two corner. He is free of race traffic. It's all Dale Earnhardt. 
a standing ovation from this sellout crowd at Nashville International Raceway for the first time in a year. Bud Moore's Wrangler Jeans Ford with Dale Earnhardt at the wheel will take the checkered flag, and Earnhardt wins the Bush 420. In the 1984 Coors 420, one of the more confusing conclusions to a NASCAR Cup Series race of all time occurred. In turn four, Petty spins right in front of half the field as everybody tries to get back to the flag. Cars are still streaming across to the line. Barney Hall, it was a fight right to the checkered flag for the front spot. And Neil Bonnet appeared to come out ahead of Darrell Waltrip as they came across the line. Kyle Petty is at the inside wall. That 7-Eleven Ford has rear damage. Here's Rusty Wallace, the front end of his car, demolished. Following a last lap wreck, Neil Bonnet was declared the winner based upon an interpretation of the so-called white flag rule. Meanwhile, Waltrip believed he was the winner as a NASCAR official declared him the victor in the press box. Confusion reigned as both Bonnet and Waltrip went to victory lane. Back at Nashville, Tennessee, and as we said, I don't think I've ever, in all the years I've been doing Winston Cup racing, I've never seen any kind of finish like this one. This is the way they're posting the top five right now. Neil Bonnet the winner, Darrell Waltrip finishing second, although Waltrip still insists he won the race. As, as I said earlier, that will be kicked around a long long time this finish here regardless of the official outcome when it is all over but right now they have declared neil bonnet the winner waltrip and team owner junior johnson would later file a protest as nascar claimed that the white flag had been displayed first then the yellow flag which would mean for the rules of the era a race back to start finish and the checkers but waltrip contended that the yellow and white flags were unfurled simultaneously and that the race at that point had ended and should be scored accordingly it took 48 hours, but NASCAR ultimately declared Waltrip the winner of one of the most controversial moments in the sport's history. Incidentally, Bonnet happened to be his teammate. That moment would be the penultimate Cup Series race at the Nashville Fairgrounds, as later that summer, Jeff Bodine claimed the final Cup Series victory at the track. He led 327 of the 420 laps in July of 84. The triumph was team owner Rick Hendrick's second career win and his lone victory at the Fairgrounds Speedway. Although the Cup Series left the fairgrounds, racing at the site continued. The formerly named NASCAR Bush Series raced at the fairgrounds from 1984 through 2000, while the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series also maintained a presence from 1996 through the 2000 season. As the new millennium began, racing at the top levels of NASCAR at the fairgrounds drew to a close. Randy LaJoy would be the final Bush Series victor, while Randy Tolsma won the final NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series race contested at the historic short track. 42 years of NASCAR history comes to a head in a checkered flag for Randy Tolsma. Tolsma is victorious. He wins the final NASCAR race at Nashville. The heyday of the fairgrounds may have been over, but racing would not be leaving Nashville. Instead, after 42 combined years of the top three touring divisions at the fairgrounds, the NASCAR Bush and Truck Series transitioned a few miles outside of Music City to the newly built Nashville Super Speedway in Lebanon, Tennessee. There, several of the biggest names in the sport today found success during their time driving in the Bush and later Nationwide Series. Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, and Kyle Busch all visited Victory Lane at Nashville Super Speedway. Busch has one more lap machine to deal with, possibly, as he works it back into turn three and four. It's the car of Bernie Lamar. Lamar, one of the few that won't give him the racing room down bottom. Busch had to hit the binders for the moment. Now clears underneath. But the word is finally... 
finally a NASCAR Nationwide Series win in Nashville for Kyle Busch. It is his fourth win of the year. In 2011, racing at its highest levels would come to an end in Nashville. The exit left Middle Tennessee racing fans to wonder if NASCAR would ever return. But after a decade away from the Music City, all three of NASCAR's premier series returned to the region and a refurbished Nashville Super Speedway in 2021. The weekend culminated with the first appearance of Cup Series cars ever at the track and the first Cup Series race in Nashville in 37 years. That Sunday afternoon in the Ally 400, Kyle Larson would become the first Cup Series winner at the track on his way to winning the series championship later that season. Trying to finish out a thoroughly dominant afternoon. Larson for the final time headed for three. Here he comes now off the end of the back straightaway. Won't challenge the lap traffic. All he's got to do is nurse it back to the start finish line. He's on the bottom trying to do exactly that. Kyle Larson exits turn number four. Checkered flag in the air. And Kyle Larson wins the Ally 400 at Nashville Super Speedway. Chase Elliott made it back-to-back -back wins for Hendrick Motorsports in 2022. Afterwards, Elliott pondered NASCAR's future in Nashville and whether a return to the fairground speedway could be in the works. That racetrack and the history of that racetrack and its location is just something that we're never going to replicate again. You know, I mean, for the most part, all, all these facilities that we have are, you know, 45 minutes to an hour outside whatever said market is we're trying to reach. You know, if it's Michigan and or, or you know, here or Atlanta's, 30, 45 minutes south of the city, you know, like all these places we go, Homestead's an hour outside Miami, you know, so all, all these places that we go, you're, you're drawing from an area that is 45 minutes to an hour away with the fairgrounds, you'd be drawing from an area that's, what, 15 blocks away uh, or so, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, on that, but it's a hell of a lot closer than it is here, uh, and, and that's just not something that in today's society, you're never going to build a racetrack in, in a city like that again. Um, so that, that's why I think as an industry, we need to take advantage of that. We don't need to let that place die. You know, I mean, I know they built that big soccer stadium right next door, but use that as, as positivity because the infrastructure is now there to house all the people. You know, now they have ideas and ways to get people in and out. So I just, it's too good of a place, too good of an opportunity for us to not be utilizing that. In my opinion, I think it'd be the best uh, location and, and best event of the year if they could pull that off. Nashville also has taken another role in NASCAR as the city has played host to the sports annual awards banquet for the past few years, marking a trip to Nashville as the final stop for each year's champions. The connection between NASCAR and Nashville is as strong as it's ever been, and history is set to be made once again as the NASCAR world gets set to return to Music City. Thanks, Kurt. Coming up, we preview the race weekend in Nashville, and later, Grant and Finger joins the show. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Kyle Rickey.
Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Following a week off, all three of NASCAR's premier series are back in action this weekend at the Nashville Super Speedway. For the trucks, only four races remain in the regular season, while the Cup Series and Xfinity Series still have a lot to settle before their playoff begins. Our Tim Catalfamo is here to break down the racing action in Middle Tennessee. After an off weekend to rest and recharge, all three of NASCAR's top series are headed to Music City and the Nashville Super Speedway this weekend. It will mark the start of 20 straight weekends of racing for the Cup Series, a stretch that will bring us all the way to the championship race in the Valley of the Sun at Phoenix Raceway. The one driver who probably didn't want to see the off weekend was Martin Truex Jr. Truex's win at Sonoma was his second win of the year, and it catapulted him to the points lead. One year ago at this point of the season, Truex hadn't won a race, and ultimately ended up missing the playoffs. Truex, though, has a few theories on why his team has been so improved in 2023. I think just better cars in general, you know, better cars, better understanding of, of what we need at, at these different racetracks. You know, last year was a big learning curve, you know, trying to figure out what direction to go at certain places with this car and you know having 15 minute practices where you're kind of locked in on what you show up with you know there's no real time to recover if you show up with some bad ideas uh, or things that that didn't work you have to wait till you go back you know to that track again so just all that learning process and, and figuring things out has been a big factor for us and then um, you know I think our cars are obviously better this year as well you know Toyota did some work in the off season and uh, everybody JGR worked hard and, and just try to put all the pieces together. So I think overall just a better platform to work with and, uh, and a better understanding of what we need. Nashville was probably one of the races in 2022 Martin Truex Jr. wishes he had back. The 19 car showed speed capable of winning, but Chase Elliott came alive late and had the right strategy to get to victory lane. The other car that seemed capable of challenging for the win was Truex's former teammate, Kyle Busch. Similar to what happened to Truex, Busch thinks he was on the wrong side of the strategy last year and plans to correct it this time around. It was one that I felt like did get away from us. Uh, we were really good. Through much of the race, we actually had trouble in qualifying, had to start in the back. We drove through the field. We got up to the front. We got up to the lead. We led for a little bit. And then out of nowhere, uh, Chase Elliott and the nine, they, they came on really strong there the second half of the race and was able to get by us. And they were better than us at the end. I just wish we were able to adjust on our car to keep the speed that we needed when we got when it got to nighttime, true nighttime, that uh, we were able to, to prevail. But um, just didn't work out for us there. And then we pitted late and took tires, and that was absolutely not worth it. We, we didn't make up any ground on that last restart. So um, definitely would like to go back there and change fortunes with that. After two years at Nashville in fast Toyotas, Bush is now part of the Chevrolet camp. The first two cup races at Nashville have been won by Chevy drivers Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson. As a result, Bush has a bit of extra confidence being in the Bowtie camp this year and hopes combining what made his Toyotas fast mixed with some of that Chevrolet magic is the perfect recipe for success. You know, I think the eight car there last year was decent, you know, not as good as the, the Hendrick nine, but, um, you know, or the 18 where, where I was. But like you said, we weren't quite able to close out the deal. So it would be nice to go back there and lean on some of those notes. Obviously, that's been a, a really good key thing for us to be able to do. Didn't necessarily <laughs> bode well at the all-star race. Um, maybe we showed them what not to do. Uh, and so here this weekend, we were able to, to excel and, and we had the good stuff this weekend, if you will. So look, just look forward. Forward to, to 
all the weeks ahead and, you know, kind of this final stretch before the playoffs. A big part of Elliott coming on strong in the latter stages of the race last year was the fact the track went through a metamorphosis. After starting in the daylight, the race encountered multiple lightning delays, which saw the race finish under the lights. Ryan Blaney says his team needs to improve under those conditions this year, especially since the race has moved to a later start time. Oh, we fired off that race pretty good. And then we had, like I said, the kind of lightning storm and stuff like that. And just it just changed the racetrack, you know, when it cooled down so much. And we ended up finishing good, but, you know, kind of pit strategy stuff, you know, we ended up running third, I think. And but yeah, we, we lost a little speed when the sun went down. So that's something you learn from, right? If you're in that situation again, okay, what did the track do compared to the, you know, full sunshine and track 10 being up when it cooled off? How did that change our car? And what can we do to kind of prepare for that in case we do get something like that again? So I love the town of Nashville. That's a fun, fun town. And I love going there. I have a lot of friends who live there and it's always special for me to go. That'd be great to be at Ford, their first win there. While he wasn't a threat to win last season, Eric Almarola could be a dark horse this year if he can return to the form he had at the track in 2021. In the inaugural cup race at Nashville, the Storthaus racing driver sat on the pole and finished in the top five. Amarola says he thinks his team learned some things last year that will help them get back to what they had two years ago. I do think we learned some things last year at Nashville where we missed the setup and, and where we felt like we were off. So I, I do look forward to going back there. I, I really enjoy that racetrack. It's a track that I, I liked a lot when I ran trucks and uh, Xfinity races there. And then first time there in a cup car, qualified on the pole, ran top five. So it's a place that I really enjoy um, running at. And I hope that, uh, you know, we learn from some of the things we felt like we did wrong last year with this new car that um, will make us better. While Sunday night's race is the unofficial start of the back half of the season, it is the official start of the push to the playoffs. Just 10 races remain until the playoffs commence at Darlington Raceway on Labor Day weekend. One driver who was in position to make the postseason for the first time in his career is Bubba Wallace. Wallace's team co-owner Denny Hamlin says Bubba just needs to keep doing what he's doing in order to achieve this goal. He doesn't need to win. Uh, he just needs to keep doing what he's done the last month and a half. I think that, you know, if you kind of listen to what we were talking about on our ownership calls about what, what's the strategy for the 23 to get in the playoffs, you know, it was just kind of a let's everyone just take a breath here and, and let's see how this goes for the next month and a half before we start changing our strategy. And then he goes on a run of top fives and top ten. So I think consistency still pays um, not only to get in the playoffs, but once you're in it. But, yeah, I think that uh, contender is probably the, the right and correct word for him. You know, I think he was a participant for a while, and now he's a contender week in, week out. So that's what we that's what we wanted and what we expected, and that's what he's delivering. So the question becomes, who will be strumming a custom Gibson guitar in Victory Lane on Sunday night? 400 miles on one of NASCAR's three concrete ovals stand between 36 drivers knowing the answer to this question. A guitar might not be the only thing on the line in Music City either, as the driver who has won the Ally 400 in each of the past two seasons ended up advancing to the Championship 4 race at Phoenix Raceway. That Nashville Super Speedway preview is brought to you by Whelan Engineering. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, has been manufacturing in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. Coming up, Grant Enfinger joins the show. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. 
We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Kyle Rickey. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The last time the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series were on the racetrack, Grant Enfinger went to victory lane at Worldwide Technology Raceway. The win was Enfinger's second of the season and has him strongly positioned to have a shot at the Truck Series Championship later in the fall in Phoenix. Mike Bagley caught up with Enfinger following his latest win. The trip to Gateway resulted in the second win of the season for the team, adding to what you did at Kansas. What did that Gateway win do for the team? You obviously got some more playoff points, and obviously there's a morale boost. Are there any other rewards that go along with getting the win that you did at Gateway? You know, uh, winning doesn't fix everything, but winning fixes a lot. Um, and, and I'd back up a little bit from that. I feel like our Kansas win helped us with this gateway win. Uh, really, more or less, from a, from a mentality standpoint going into the race, uh, you know, if, if we were points racing, trying to uh, make it in the playoffs, I, I don't think Jeff would have made the decisions that, that he did on the pit box the way he did. But because we already had that win in the bank, he was able to be more aggressive than normal. So I feel like that Kansas win kind of played played into our favor and, and helped us with this gateway win. So um, from a driver and a crew chief standpoint and a, and a team standpoint, I feel like we all enjoy this situation of being locked into the playoffs and being able to have more of an open playbook. Uh, sometimes, like when you get in those first round of the playoffs or, or whatever the case is, you're always looking at those stage points and, and you're always looking to, hey, what's the what's the best finishing position we can? But, um, you know, the situation we're in right now, the, those, those stage points still matter, but it matters even more for a win. Then we can get five, guarantee ourselves five playoff points. So, so that, that's our focus right now, and that's a, that's a great spot to be in. You know, you talk about the racing team. You talk about Rajah Karuth and Daniel Dye, who both are rookies this year in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. They have had speed in their trucks, but they haven't had the results. They've gotten themselves into some positions on the racetrack. They've been at the wrong place at the wrong time. And you just look at these drivers during these races, and you just go, oh, no, not again. And they're trying to work through some rookie challenges. What kind of kind of suggestions what kind of advice have you offered those gentlemen or could you offer those young men about their first year and not getting not getting down and not getting feeling rejected just working through some rookie season challenges to get to the good stuff which obviously will be those consistent top five top ten finishes Man, this uh, truck racing is just really, really tough. I don't, I don't know if there's been a time in in my era of truck racing that it's ever been tougher than it is right now. There's just so many really good quality trucks. I feel like there's 20 trucks out there that are given a full fledged effort. That have really good drivers, really good teams, really good backing. They are doing all the right things. So if you're off a little bit, like a few weeks ago at Charlotte. We were off a little bit in our first stage, and we were running 13th and, and got off a little bit in a pit stop, and, 
And now all of a sudden we're running 16th and 17th, and I, we can't dig our way out of there until we make our truck really good at the end. And, and Jeff made some great calls to, to, to get us a really good truck by the third stage. But there was there was times in the, in the second stage when we weren't that far off, and I was battling for 16th and 17th, and it is just – chaos back there it's it is it is tough and it's aggressive at the front of the field and you get past 10th spot and it is just wild chaos just guys bouncing off of each other and and losing your air and, and getting it back and getting loose and, and uh, man it is it is just wild so it's it's hard to to keep a truck you know together and and so i feel like when i get in those spots maybe i'm a little bit too conservative and um you know some other guys are maybe too aggressive in, in those spots but I, I had some specific talks with raja after he had one incident he, he didn't really ask me for advice but but i talked to him but but by and large raja comes to me all the time and, and he comes to a lot of the people in the garage and, and he's one of those guys that he is he is a a, a student of uh, of our sport and and he he does all the right things he works extremely hard at this, and and I feel like he, he has a good idea of, of where he's doing really good and, and where he's not at, and uh, and yeah, definitely they 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 both you know Raja and, and Daniel, it's a it's a work in progress. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, I, I think Gateway was was a really good confidence booster for for Daniel. They've uh, they've had just a lot of crazy stuff happened even the first five races of the year they had stuff happen before the green flag um you know even took place and so they were kind of always starting out in the hole um but they had really good speed there at gateway he was able to, to run up front in the in the in the top three for for 30 40 50 laps uh, i think there so that was really good for him and, and it's good for me to see our organization having speed so so yeah i talked to those guys a good bit they're they're at the shop with with our guys some, and, and I'm up here, and we're, and we're all on the, the Josh Wise program there with, with Chevrolet, uh, the resources that, that they help us with. But at the end of the day, you, you kind of got to just go out there and, and do it and, and figure it out. But it's uh, it's definitely a challenge, and I think right now it's, it's as challenging as it's ever been. You can hear the rest of that interview Thursday on NASCAR Live Wide Open. Coming up, we flash back to the 1982 Bush 420. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Kyle Rickey. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Before we head for the exits, let's take a turn back in the MRN time machine and listen to the conclusion of the 1982 Bush 420 from the Nashville Fairground Speedway. Darrell Waltrip's about to be looking at the scoreboard the, over in the south end of the speedway as he whirls around the Bush 420 here, trying to make it two in a row, having one here in May and let every lap except one. He's pretty well had the field covered all night tonight. As he zips around here, Terry Levani hangs on to second spot. He is a lap down as the laps wind out here at Nashville, Tennessee. Reporting the scoreboard is a lap off, so Waltrip is that much closer to the checkered flag here at Nashville International Raceway. And this race, for Darrell, almost a carbon copy of the one here in May. He led all but one lap. Just disappeared from the field, lapped the field, and then settled into a comfortable pace and cruised to victory in the Junior Johnson Mountain Dew Buick. And perhaps they have turned their season around in the past weeks. Things have not gone their way. They've lost a few engines and suffered mechanical misfortune and have not finished a lot of races lately. Waltrip has dropped to third in the Winston Cup point standings, trying to defend his title. And 
looks to be headed back toward the top with a victory here tonight. Well, there's been a lot of, I think, write-ups in different newspapers around the country that there's a lot of dissension in that team between Darrell and Junior Johnson. And we talked to both of them here at Nashville, Tennessee, and Junior said he wondered where all that came from because as far as he was concerned, Darrell was as good a driver as he's ever had in the car, and there was no problem. He didn't feel like there was any problem at all, and he still thinks they'll win the Winston Cup championship. So all they needed to do was get some brakes. They had some mechanical problems, and I think they're getting the team turned around. They certainly have here tonight. Still have 14 races left to do it in. The Goodies Headache Award, voted by the press to the driver who experiences the biggest headache in the preparation or running of the Bush 420, has been voted to the likable Dawson, George, Dawsonville, Georgia driver, Bill Elliott, whose Melling Tool Car was in contention here, running in the fourth spot when it apparently lost an engine and Bill coasted to the garage area out of the race. So Bill Elliott takes home $300 from Goodies Headache Powders and Goodies Pain Relief Tablets for the biggest headache tonight. He'll also get a sample of Goodies to help cure that headache, but I think, Marty, the smile is still on his face from Daytona last week. That's a terrific finish with he and Bobby Allison. I think everybody in the garage, every place we go lately, feels like this young driver is going to win a race before too long. And His team certainly feels that way, and most of the drivers feel like that if he can just get one tiny break somewhere down the road, he'll be in victory lane. Two laps to go for Darrell Waltrip. Let's follow him around as he goes to turn two and Dave to Spain. He's working in about as much traffic as he's seen in a long time now. Coming up the inside of Dave Marcus with Dale Earnhardt still ahead of him. Waltrip's being very picky about his places to pass now. He's got all the time in the world. Waltrip drops down to the inside of Dave Marcus as he comes out of that fourth corner. Harold Kinder sticks the finger up and gives him that white flag indicating one lap to go as he zips off into turn number one. He may not have expected to do this tonight, Barney, but he has certainly done it with a lack Darrell Waltrip has just walked all over this field tonight. He's going to put a move on Marcus down the backstretch and turn toward that checkered flag. Darrell Waltrip picks his way under Dave Marcus. Here comes Bobby Allison, and those three cars will come to the finish stripe under a blanket. Marcus edges off and beats Waltrip to the flag. It'll be Darrell Waltrip winning here in the Bush 420, beating Terry Labonte at Harry Gant. The Bush 420 is history, and the winner is Darrell Waltrip. One of the classic races coming out of mid-Tennessee, and we expect another this Sunday night in the Ally 400 from the Nashville Super Speedway for the NASCAR Cup Series. That'll do it for this week's edition of NASCAR Live. Want to thank NASCAR Cup Series driver Ryan Priest for joining the show, along with NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series championship contender Grant Enfinger. That'll do it for this week's show. I'm Kyle Rickey. Mike Bagley will rejoin you next week for another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downing, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.